Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. This is episode number 150 of Search News You Can Use. Can you believe it? 150 episodes. I started doing this newsletter. uh, We never used to number the episodes, so we've definitely had more than 150. But since we started numbering them, uh, gosh, that's that's a lot of SEO news. So thank you so much for listening. I think this is going to be a really good episode. There's some really good stuff we're going to talk about. Um, This corresponds to, uh, if you go to mariehaines.com slash newsletter, you can find episode number 150, uh, and it's being recorded Wednesday, September 16th of 2020. So in this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, whether or not you need to see another core update to recover if you were affected by a a previous core update. I'll give you my experience and my uh, thoughts on that because there's been a bit of discussion on that this week. Um, We'll talk a bit about how an impression triggers in Google Search Console. So uh, think about this. If somebody searches for one of your main queries and you're at the bottom of page one, but they don't actually scroll down to the bottom of page one, does that count as an impression for your site? I'll share that with you, some information we got from John Mueller this week. And in terms of Q&A this week, we're going to actually do two mini site reviews. I think this will be really interesting. I'm going to share the sites with you. So those of you who are at home, if you want to pull the site up on your phone or uh, on your computer, um, the two sites we're going to look at are greenbabydeals.com, greenbabydeals. And also soasofty.com. I think that's really great. S-E-W, a softy, all one word, dot com. I'm going to give you a few of my thoughts in terms of EAT and some other quick thoughts on uh, those websites as uh, some of our listeners have been very great to submit those sites for me to take a look at. So I'm looking forward to doing that as well. So let's get right into it. Um, first of all, I want to say how excited I am that football is back. Uh, I don't know if you're an NFL fan, but we do fantasy football. My husband and David and I, uh, every week we do fantasy football. I usually kill him. A- every week, uh, whenever we start a new season, it always seems that I end up playing against him. And I almost always beat him. So, you know, that's just how it is. <laughs> but um, this week, though, we uh, we both took part in a suicide pool. And a suicide pool is where you pick a team, and if your team wins, you get to pick again next week. And whoever is left at the end gets a prize. I think we all chipped in 10 bucks per pick. Well, David and I each had two picks, and both of us had one of our teams lose. Uh, I picked San Francisco to win. They were heavily favored in terms of odds, and uh, they let me down. But I also... So with my second pick, picked Buffalo. Who would have thought that Buffalo, that the Buffalo Bills would be the savior of my uh, survivor fantasy pick this week? I don't know if you're into fantasy football, but I'm, I'm glad it's back. I really hope that it sticks around because uh, who knows what the challenges are with uh, with COVID. Um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of things that have to happen in order to make football safe. But I, I was it was great to have uh, a weekend where we could just sit and watch sports all weekend. It was fantastic. Um, I know you don't really care about me watching football. Well, some of you do. 
but most of you are here for SEO news. So let's talk about algorithm updates. There really wasn't anything of significance this week. Uh, as far as we can see, Barry Schwartz did note that a number of the algo weather tools like MozCast, uh, SEMrush Sensor, things like that, uh, they are showing increases on September 15th, which usually means that there's some type of an update or something happened in terms of Google search results uh, that has changed significantly. However, we didn't really see anything in our data that backs that up. And Barry also mentioned that he didn't really see much chatter um, in the forums on an update happening. So I'm not sure what happened on September 15th to cause the weather tools to see uh, increases. It wouldn't surprise me if something happened in terms of, you know, a SERP feature. Maybe Google has changed uh, the way things are laid out and that has impacted uh, or, or kind of appeared to impact rankings. Uh, but at this point, we're not really looking into any sort of significant algorithm updates, um, which is a good segue into this question that has come up this week. If you were hit by a core update, do you need to wait for another core update to run in order to see recovery? So here's a typical scenario of sites that come to us looking for help. We'll see that you know, things were going along fine. Maybe they saw little ups and downs. It's pretty normal for websites to have what, you know, kind of a sawtooth pattern in their Google Analytics. You can't see me right now. My finger is going up and down demonstrating the sawtooth pattern. Um, and the sawtooth pattern is pretty normal with a lot of websites that see, uh, all right, maybe we have more traffic on weekdays and not so much on the weekends. That's, that's fairly normal. Um, but when we see a site that uh, is affected by a core algorithm update, usually the impact is significant. Now, to put that in numbers, I would say, you know, anything more than maybe 30% is drastically significant. And really, if your traffic has taken a 30% hit, uh, that's going to impact your, your bottom line for the most part. And uh, so I definitely would call that significant. So let's say you had a hit in traffic where on average, you're seeing 30% less traffic than you normally do. And that this happened in conjunction with a date on which Google has told us, all right, we're running a core algorithm update on this day. And thankfully, for the last year or more, probably since mid-2018, I'd say, Google has been telling us whenever they're running a core update, a significant update. So if you see this drop, so let's say uh, May 4th was the last significant core update. So let's say May 4th, maybe May 5th, depending on what part of the world you're in and what uh, you know, what, what schedule Google was on when they rolled this update out. Uh, let's say that on this date, your traffic took a sudden downward trend, and now you're seeing significantly less traffic from Google than you did before May 4th. There's a good chance that that is because of Google's core update. Now, I say a good chance because we've seen situations where people have said, look, I was negatively affected by this Google update, and oh, by the way, I also launched a new site the day before. Or, you know, and, and maybe it turns out that uh, you didn't include your Google Analytics tracking or your new site just 
uh, is not good <laughs> compared to the old site or is terribly slow or something like that. But the vast majority of time when we see sites that see declines uh, in conjunction with a core update, it's not because the website themselves have done anything. Rather, um, Google changed their algorithms and now for whatever reason, they're preferring other sites over yours for some of your queries. So let's say that that has happened and you've been working to improve things. So how do you improve after a core update hit? This is a question that I get asked a lot. Uh, and the first thing I would tell you is to look at Google's blog post on core updates. There's a list of questions there that you need to ask yourself. And some of these things are not things that you can easily fix. Um, like for example, if you are not recognized as an authority in your industry, it's not like you can all of a sudden go out and be like, yay, I'm an authority. <laughs> you know, you have to get other experts to be mentioning you. You have to build up brand presence. There's a lot of things that have to be done in order to be seen as an authority. Uh, and so it's not like a technical checklist where I can say, all right, we'll go in and we'll fix all these 404 errors and, uh, you know, uh, fix up the hreflang and, and uh, other technical stuff. And then our website is fixed and we should recover. Instead, Google is just getting, you know, they'll put different criteria in their algorithms to determine which sites they want to, uh, to feature. Um, and so, but let's say you're working on uh, improvements. So you saw declines with a core update and to work on improvements. So yes, you look at the core update post by Google and you also look at Google's quality raters guidelines. And let's say you see things like, oh, the quality raters guidelines say it's a sign of low quality if I don't list my terms and conditions or my refund policy. So you add a refund policy page and you add more EAT related information. Maybe you get some new authors uh, for your content so that your readers can see, wow, they really know their stuff. You know, this person has been writing on this subject for 20 years and, and, uh, and, and now that adds an element of EAT to your posts. So let's say you've been doing all of these things to improve. When are you going to see improvements? So in our experience, when this happens, and it doesn't happen with every website, but we've seen quite a few websites that were hit with a core update hit, and then with a subsequent core update, they see uh, nice improvements. Um, it almost always, if we're going to see a dramatic, uh, sudden improvement on a website, it's almost always in conjunction with a core update. So uh, let's say you were hit May 4th and you've been working on making improvements to your website. And let's say Google runs another core update. I'm sure they're going to do one any day now uh, because it's been several months. And so, uh, you know, I, I anticipate something is going to be happening. Um, and so if Google reassesses your website, and there's many different ways that they can do that, um, and they see that, all right, now we can see that this website has the elements of trust that we're missing, or yes, they actually do have some authoritative mentions now. Maybe we should start including them in YMYL searches, um, things like that. That tends to happen with a subsequent core update. Now, uh, what John Mueller said, and uh, I'll read part of his quote here. So John said, I believe this was in a, a help hangout, uh, let's see. It's something where, on the one hand, some really big changes might be the things where you have to wait for us to be able to reprocess things and take a new look at the way we would want to consider relevancy. In other words, uh, well, so that, in my words, 
in many cases, if a site's been deemed less worthy by Google's algorithms, then Google might not reassess those issues until more data is collected and another core update runs. But he also said, quote, but many small things along the way essentially can be adjusted over time. Now, we do see, and I tweeted, uh, it's in newsletter, and also if you follow me on Twitter, Marie underscore Haynes, you'll see that I tweeted uh, some screenshots of clients of ours that came to us with a core update hit, and then uh, in, they'll see big bumps up with subsequent core updates, uh, but then there are other bumps a little bit smaller, other improvements that weren't on the day of a core update. Uh, so let's say you know you, you, your site was hit, and maybe you got a whole bunch of press in between core updates, and you got a bunch of really good links from authoritative websites who are recommending your content, you surely can see improvement. Uh, but we rarely see that a site just bounces back to the levels where they were before, other than on the date of a core update. So if you have been working on improving your site and you're wondering why you have not seen improvements on Google's side, it might be that it's been you know many months since we've had the last core update. And uh, as Google runs another one, you may see your improvements at that time. Um, there's a delay, we'll move on here, another delay in Search Console index coverage data. Uh, the index, the rest of Search Console seemed to be up to date, but for a while the index coverage report was delayed by a week or more. Apparently that's been fixed, so if you've been waiting on index coverage data, uh, you should be able to find that in Search Console now. I thought this was interesting about what uh, Google considers to be an impression on Google search. Now, I mean, we've talked about this before. This is probably not news to most of you, but I, there's something in here that I think uh, is new <laughs> to, to some of you at least. Um, so let's say um, I do a search for a query and your website is listed at number nine on the first page, but I find my answer, uh, the site that I wanna click on at number four, and I don't actually scroll down to see your site. Is that counted as an impression in Search Console? So what John Mueller said is for normal results, so he's talking about the organic results, it's counted as an impression when it's loaded on search results page. Uh, so for example, um, so in that case that I gave, if, you're, if I clicked on the number four result, but I didn't actually scroll down, to the, uh, to the bottom of the page, that's still counted as an impression because it was loaded in to that search results page. Uh, but he said for carousel items, so things like the recipe carousel, top stories, things like that, um, it's counted as an impression when the item is scrolled into view. So there are some carousels that don't appear until the end of the top 10 organic results. And if that's the case, you don't get counted as an impression unless somebody actually scrolls and sees that. The other thing that was interesting was John was asked whether personalized searches also count as impressions. Um, so, uh, you know, if you're constantly doing searches for your own keywords, uh, will that be in, reflected in your search console data? And yes, it will be. He said, we don't split out personalized results, but they are included in search console data. He also said that he Im would imagine that in most cases, the numbers don't make a big difference in the trends. And I think, you know, I mean, if you have a query that uh, you get 10 impressions a month and eight of those are you searching for your own keywords, well, maybe that is an impact. But I think for most people, uh, we're talking a much bigger scale of uh, actual visitors, actual impressions, as opposed to your own personalized looks. Uh, but keep that in mind. We, we see 
see that sometimes where we're like, you know what, this keyword, it says that uh, it's, you know, it's been, it's got this many impressions, but they're on like page six. And how can that be? And then we find out that uh, maybe it's rank tracking software that has caused those impressions. There's, you know, if you're seeing strange things like that, uh, it, it may not be a, an actual thing. It might be that you checking your own rankings has impacted where you're seeing um, your your queries on Search Console. Uh, let's talk here about Systrix analyzed some Core Web Vitals metrics on various CMS platforms. So Core Web Vitals, we've been talking about that a lot over the last few months. Uh, and if you haven't heard about Core Web Vitals, well, you need to be reading up on them. We have a fantastic article on our website. Uh, Callum Scott, one of my lead auditors, wrote this article um, when Core Web Vitals first came out. And we've been keeping it updated as well as new information comes out. Uh, and so this is sort of a layman's guide to understanding core web vitals, uh, because there's you can go into a lot of detail in terms of uh, development and, and technical things that can make it very, very overwhelming. But really what you need to know, core web vitals, you have scores in Google Search Console. Right now, they're not a ranking factor, although they could be sort of considered ranking factors because if your core web vitals are, are bad, your page speed is going to be bad, probably. And uh, that is a ranking factor at this point. But Google has said that at some point in 2021, core web vitals are going to be a ranking factor and that's uh, something that we need to be paying close attention to. So this Systrix study, what they looked at was one of the core web vitals, the LCP, which is the largest contentful paint of a page. So the idea of LCP is um, the information that the searcher is looking for uh, how long does it take for that to actually display on a page? And a, a decent score, a good score for LCP, according to Google, is when the largest section of content takes less than 2.5 seconds to load. Um, and so uh, this is what Systrix looked at. They looked at Wix. They looked at Squarespace, a number of different platforms. Um, and uh, a lot of you probably won't be surprised to see that Wix was essentially the slowest uh, of all of these. And uh, WordPress clocked in as the second slowest CMS. Uh, Squarespace was a close third. Now, does this mean that Wix, WordPress, and Squarespace are all just horrible platforms and you should never use them? Of course not. You know, speed is just one factor. And and it, most of you know that we we did a, we entered into a contest with Wix and uh, we won as the Wix SEO lovers. We won a bunch of money and learned a lot of stuff about Wix and, uh, and how their websites work. Um, there's some good stuff about Wix. Like if you're just trying to get a website that you're not trying to compete against major giants in an industry and you just want to get something online that looks really good, I, I think there's a lot of benefit to using Wix sites. Um, WordPress now, considering WordPress was the second slowest CMS, the problem here with most WordPress sites is that they go really crazy with plugins. Um, and so you can do a lot of work in speeding up your site with just figuring out which plugins you're using and uh, whether you need to actually use them. A lot of WordPress sites will load in scripts. Like, for example, um, they'll load on every single page uh, 
JavaScript for maybe running a slider or, uh, you know, something that's not even a feature on that page. Uh, and there's a lot of things you can do with just selectively loading which scripts are going to be loaded on each page. I've talked about this a lot in the past. Some of our earlier episodes, I think episode one, possibly like in the first 10 episodes, uh, when we first started numbering these, we talked about very practical ways that you can improve your page speed. Um, if you're a, a premium member of our newsletter, you'll find that you can see everything in all of history that we've written in terms of uh, newsletters. Um, and if you want to sign up for a newsletter, uh, you'll get access to all of the stuff that we've had in the past. So um, mariehaines.com slash newsletter, and you can read uh, those early articles about improving page speed because they're really, really important. Um, in terms of e-commerce software, uh, what the study found was that Lightspeed e-com was the winner. Uh, domains that use this platform, 93% of the ones that they measured, and they measured, what was it, 18.5 million domains. Uh, so 93% of the domains that were using Lightspeed Ecom had a good rating in terms of uh, largest contentful paint. So, uh, and Big Commerce and Shopify were in the middle of the pack. So, you know, I don't think any of you should just go, you know, drastically changing. I don't think you should be like, wow, I'm on a Squarespace site and uh, maybe my core web vitals are going to be bad, so I should get off of that. Um, you know, I think there's other factors that you look at. Uh, if you're not sure about the core web vitals for your site, though, they're available in Google Search Console. You don't need to be using any third-party tools or anything. Just Google Search Console will give you uh, the stats and show you whether you need improvement. And again, given that Google has told us that this is going to be a ranking factor in 2021 at some point, you really should be paying attention to your uh, core web vitals. For local SEO, we have a little bit of news to pass on. There was a little bit of turbulence in the algorithms. Uh, the local rank flux tool is showing just slightly higher than normal fluctuation. Um, not enough that I think we would call it a major update or anything, but if your rankings have shifted, uh, this is something that's happening across the board. So, so keep that in mind. There are some new attributes that you can add to your Google My Business now uh, related to coronavirus. So the attributes are appointment required, mask required, staff get temperature checks, staff wear masks, and temperature check is required. So if any of those apply to your business, then uh, I think it's good to update your Google My Business just to show that. Um, that's something that really should appear as people do searches for your business. And so if you require that when people come into your business that they wear a mask, you can put that on your GMB profile. And uh, that's something that people will see when they're searching for your business. Um, probably a good idea to do that if it makes sense for your customers uh, to see that type of thing. Um, another thing I just wanted to mention, and this just got submitted to me just before I started recording podcasts, so I don't know all of the details on this, but apparently a lot of people are getting their Google My Business posts suddenly rejected, uh, and this is a new thing. There's a great post in the lo local search forum, which we've linked to from newsletter, uh, where people are talking about the fact that their Google posts are just randomly, <laughs> it seems randomly getting rejected by Google. There was a theory that posts that contain dates 
or actual URLs were being removed. Oh, sorry, not dates, phone numbers. Uh, if your phone number was in the post, then uh, it's potentially that's what's causing them to get removed. Um, although the latest theory is that it seems to be that businesses that opted into the new Google My Business products feature are the ones that are now having issues with their posts not being uh, accepted. So this, I think, is probably a bug on Google's side. If you've been struggling with getting your Google posts approved by Google uh, in the last couple of days, it might be good to just wait for a day or two um, and see if this resolves. And then uh, I would imagine that everything will be back to normal shortly. But who knows? Google My Business is very finicky. So uh, hopefully they'll get that fixed soon. Um, I want to move on to uh, look at these two sites that we're going to do a little mini site review. Now, when at MHC, if you submit your site and uh, request us to do a site review um, in terms of uh, an audit, uh, you know, something that you've ordered from us, uh, it takes us a good two to three weeks to do a full site review. So our process will get you all, uh, you know, um, set up with, uh, we want to make sure we have access to your Google search console, your Google analytics, and, you know, a little bit of information about uh, the history of your company and, and why you are, you should be considered the best at what you do. Uh, and then we, you know, we gather all this information and we look at a website through many different lenses. So part of what we'll do is we'll look at a site technically. I'm not going to do that in these brief reviews, uh, but we also look at a site through the eyes of Google's quality raters guidelines. The quality raters guidelines are available for anybody to see. Uh, they're, you know, they're a significant number of pages, but I find them fairly interesting to read. Um, and if you don't want to read them, we offer a, uh, it is a paid product, uh, but it's a, basically a checklist that we use when we go through the quality raters guidelines. Uh, and you can buy that um, at courses.mariehaines.com. Um, but in these little brief reviews, what I did was I just spent five to 10 minutes on each of these sites, and I'm going to spit out some feedback. Now, know that uh, obviously I have only spent five or 10 minutes on these sites and there may be things that I say that uh, that you'll say, oh, but wait, we actually have that information here. I, I understand that. Um, but I think that me reviewing these sites will um, give good information, not just to these site owners, but also to the rest of you who are listening and trying to make improvements on your site. Whenever we recommend an improvement, it's always based on something that Google has said. So, uh, you know, some people have criticized us in the past for putting too much emphasis on what John Mueller says in Help Hangouts. We take notes on everything that he says, and then we, we, we uh, judiciously choose what to, to include as our criteria for quality. You know, And so if John says like really a vague, like, oh, I don't know, maybe it would be good if you did this random thing, we're not always going to recommend that for every single website. But some things John has said repeatedly uh, that tell us all right, these are good things that Google looks for in terms of quality. So um, without me explaining anymore, let's just get into these sites. So the first site that we're going to look at is called greenbabydeals.com, all one word. And uh, these domains have been shared with permission. Uh, the people who submitted them know that I'm probably going to be saying some things that, you know, I'm not going to be all completely favorable because you want to learn how to improve, right? 
So if I go to greenbabydeals.com, the first thing that I see is that I want to look at the above the fold content on this page. Now, I know this is a hard thing to talk about in podcast. So for those of you who don't actually have the website in front of you, what I can see is their logo, some navigation, and it says natural, non-toxic and affordable solutions for baby and you. And then they have two calls to action. I really like seeing calls to action above the fold. You want to make it so that your readers don't have to think too hard about what do I need to click on next? And their calls to action are uh, natural during pregnancy or a natural baby registry. I didn't actually look at the baby registry. I think that's a a really good idea. Um, But I did spend time looking at the natural during pregnancy and I have some, some thoughts for you. But first... The first thing I noticed was that there's really not any EAT-related information uh, above the fold or, let me see if I scroll down, anywhere really on the homepage. So what do I mean by EAT-related information? Think about it from the perspective of a searcher. Let's say I've never heard of your website before and uh, I'm looking at getting some natural products for either my baby or my friend's baby, something like that, and I land on your homepage. There's nothing here to tell me, oh, yeah, yeah, this is the site I need to buy from. I want to know that you've been, uh, you know, connecting people with reliable products for 10 plus years or uh, that, you know, you've been recognized as an expert on baby products by uh, these major publications. I want to see stuff that makes the reader say, oh, this isn't just some kid in their basement that created a website to sell me products. This is actually a company that really understands my needs and that I can trust. Now, uh, you know, going into detail about what to put on there is is challenging. That's something that would take us a bit more time to uh, to discuss. But really, you want to have some type of information to say, like, this is not just some random website. It says helping 4,000 plus moms make better choices. Well, that's nice, but I'd like to see maybe some actual testimonials. Um, you know, testimonials from actual users. I do see that you've got featured in Cafe Mom, uh, legal zoom that's kind of interesting because I wouldn't really uh, as a person who's potentially going to be buying um, baby products you know legal zoom uh, doesn't really <laughs> speak to me um, but I would actually link to those places where you've been featured if somebody's trying to figure out whether they can trust your information those links can potentially help and uh, I think that that would be a good idea to do that Um, now the thing I think that it will be your biggest issue with this website is scientific consensus. Um, I've talked a lot about this in the past and we have a good article that goes into more detail. If you haven't seen this, uh, just Google scientific consensus, Marie Haynes, and you'll see my thoughts on how Google could be measuring scientific consensus. The quality raters guidelines, they talk in great detail about the fact that medical content um, or YMYL content really should be uh, in line with scientific consensus. Now, a lot of your content is saying, look, doctors will tell you that this is true, but really these products are super toxic. And that type of thing does not do well in Google's eyes, in our experience. So... um, One thing uh, that I looked at was, oh gosh, which part was it? Uh, It was about natural products. Oh, I think it was natural deodorant during pregnancy. Now, um, I totally see what you're saying. I mean, there are are, uh, probably chemicals in deodorant that could be harmful. 
Um, the problem is I don't think you have the authority and the medical expertise to be able to make those statements. Um, so I, I looked at uh, your post on deodorant during uh, pregnancy, and you listed uh, there's a chemical called triclosan uh, and says, quote, it's something that can really mess up your hormones, uh, but there's no reference. So if you're going to say, look, this thing that doctors will tell you is good, or, you know, maybe not doctors, doctors aren't out going out there saying use triclosan in your deodorant, um, but that are generally accepted as good. If you're saying, no, 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 the doctors are all crazy. Here's why it's bad then that's a really tough place to be. Uh, so how could Google determine that, like, all right, you know, it might be true that triclosan is dangerous. Uh, so, you know, should we be promoting this content that is saying, no, 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 here's the dangerous chemicals in, uh, in your deodorant? And the thing is, they have websites that they already trust. And so I just did a very brief bit of research, and the FDA has a post on triclosan. And what it says is that there's some studies that show that exposures to really high doses of triclosan can decrease your thyroid hormone. Now, that's a big stretch from what you've said. Uh, you know, triclosan can really mess up your hormones without a reference. There's a big difference between super high doses could suppress your thyroid hormones and, uh, you know, wearing it in deodorant is going to be dangerous to your baby. I think you see what I'm saying there. Now, you do have some references, but it's not enough, in my opinion, to just reference things that support your opinion. So if we look at Google's blog post on core updates, uh, I'm going to read through some of these questions, and uh, you know, I think a lot of them we would answer unfavorably for your site. Um, does the content present information in a way that makes you want to trust it, such as clear so sourcing, evidence of the expertise involved, background about the author or the site that publishes it, such as thorough links to an author's page or a site's about page? Um, if I wanted to investigate whether I should trust your thoughts on whether triclosan is dangerous in deodorant, there's really, you, you're not showing me both sides of the story. Um, you're, you've just picked one article to reference. Uh, and I think that article was about showing that triclosan can affect um, breast cancer patients. It wasn't even connected to this. So, um, and then, you know, is this content written by an expert or enthusiast who demonstrably knows the topic well? So this is a really common problem in medical sites is that you can, you can, you can research well, but you are not an expert to talk on these subjects. Uh, and Gary Ish said uh, in PubCon just uh, last year, if you're going to write that carrots cure cancer, this is his words, you sure as hell should have good references. Uh, I'm not saying, I mean, yours is kind of the opposite. You're saying uh, there's a number of chemicals that, you know, the general community would uh, accept as uh, acceptable, but we're saying are potentially toxic to your baby. I, I think you need to have better references for this and actually tell both sides of the story. So how do you fix this? This is tough. Um, we have a white paper on uh, scientific consensus, and it is fairly pricey, though. It's something that took me several months to research and to write. And what we do is we outline how to find uh, the areas where your content might be contradicting scientific consensus or generally accepted expert consensus on a topic. Um, and so that's something that potentially could help. I, I think something that would help maybe is to actually find experts on the topic uh, to interview. 
and to say, according to Dr. So-and-so, this is what, you know, the risks are. Uh, I think that's something that could really help. One other really quick thing that I noticed, too, is that you have links to uh, aff Amazon affiliate products uh, that aren't disclosed as affiliate links. Uh, so I think it says buy now. And when I clicked on it, it went to Amazon. Um, really, I would like to see something like buy now on Amazon. And I would like to see that link either no followed. I didn't check to see whether you had a sponsored tag on it. It's possible. If you had sponsored, then uh, that would be good. So um, hopefully that's not too disheartening. I mean, there's a lot more that we could say about this website. I think there's some, some really good stuff on it. Uh, but I really, really would like to see more in terms of expertise and authoritativeness. Uh, I didn't look deep into um, your backlink profile and whether other sites are recommending you as an expert. But that's something I'd actually look at too is uh, maybe utilizing Harrow um, to, uh, to start contributing to other authoritative websites to say, here's my experience on the topic, so that Google can sort of draw from multiple sources to say, ah, when we see this person, they're kind of associated with being an expert on natural products during pregnancy. Now, I think that when you talk about natural products, Google has a very, very strong line that they've drawn where if you are not seen as a trustworthy authority uh, in, in most people's eyes, then your content probably isn't going to rank well. So, um, you know, I don't want to leave you hanging here because there's a lot more that could be done, but... Uh, but I, I think it's going to be really challenging to rank this kind of content. And this is the type of thing where um, I do think it's possible to eventually build up authority and to be known as an expert in this type of area. But until you do that, you may want to be focusing more on social channels on building up your audiences there uh, because I think it'll be very challenging to outrank the giants uh, for a website like this. Um, let's move on to uh, this next website, soasofty.com. So it's S-E-W-A-S-O-F-T-I-E.com. This is a really great idea. Uh, Trixie submitted this site. This is the one that was submitted last week without the, uh, the URL. So now I've got the URL and uh, I can give you uh, uh, my thoughts on this. Um, and so uh, the one thing I noticed was it took me a while to figure out what your, your mandate is. That's probably your mission for your website. And I feel like this is something that you need to have a very obvious thing on the homepage to say, like, here's why we exist. You have an H tag that says, so a softy kid ambassadors, kids teaching kids to sew. But what I don't know is, are you an organization that um, helps people put together groups to teach kids to sew? Uh, do you have programs for these kids? Do you, um, can you, can you show me some of these kids? I mean, you've got pictures, but I, they're just random pictures. Uh, oh, I see if I click on them. No, it just shows me more pictures. Uh, so I would like to know a bit more on your homepage about what your mission is, because people really like that kind of thing. People, you know, if I had to choose, let's say I was looking for a sewing pattern for something, and I had to choose whether to get it from like this really cool organization that teaches kids how to sew and has helped hundreds of kids and, you know, has this really feel good feel about it versus, again, some kid in their basement that's just pumping out affiliate websites to make a few bucks. I, I really think that you could play on this uh, community aspect and just trying to make it known that like, hey, you too could be part of the Sew a Softy Nation, you know, or whatever, whatever it is that you want to create 
meet as your community. I think there's a lot of opportunity for that. Um, I did notice that as soon as I entered the site, there was a pop-up that appeared. Uh, now, Actually, I think what happened was the pop-up appeared once I scrolled down slightly. You probably would find that you would get more um, people uh, clicking. I think the pop-up was to sign up for a newsletter or something like that. You would probably get more people engaging with that if you made it an exit intent pop-up. Um, that's what we do. Uh, we're not perfect with our pop-up, though. We still show it to people who have already purchased, which I, my apologies uh, for those of you who have uh, been hounded by this exit intent pop-up. We're working on it. It's one of many things on a list. Uh, but exit intent pop-ups, what they do is uh, they'll kind of be able to determine that, oh, somebody's about to click the back button or, uh, you know, they're, they're scrolling uh, in a way that means that they're going to leave the site and then they show the pop-up. Because when it appeared for me, I'd only been on the site for like half a second. So why would I want to sign up for your newsletter, you know, unless I had been there multiple times. The next thing I noticed is that you're, you're, homepage has very little text on it. It has some fantastic images, uh, but I really would like to see text. And just like I said for the last site, I'd love to see EAT-related information. I'd like to see just a chart that says, here's the person, you know, here's Trixie, and here's all the amazing things she's done, and here's where she's been mentioned in the news, and uh, here's how we can help you. You know, just um, rather than here's a random website with some pictures of kids, uh, I, I would like to know why can I trust you to teach my kids how to sew. Um, and so I think a lot of the information that's on your about page would actually be good to put on your home page. Uh, when I clicked on your tutorials, again, this, this is kind of like a regular category page, and this goes for a lot of people who have categories. Your category pages could potentially rank, uh, and I, I would like to see this tutorials page, again, have text on it, um, and maybe be divided into better categories somehow. We've seen really good improvement with some websites in uh, actually making their posts better, uh, a better hierar hierarchical structure. Hey, there's my word of the day that I can't pronounce. It's not tilde or uh, anything like that today. Hierarchical. Hierarchical. That's a really hard word to say. They should have a better structure in your posts. So, for example, um, you know, let's say you had a bunch of projects that kids could make for Mother's Day. Then you would have a category that is Mother's Day sewing products. Uh, and that way, that post itself would have the ability to rank potentially for Mother's Day sewing um, patterns. Um, so what else can we say here? I don't, I don't want to go on too much because I know it's hard for those of you who can't actually see the site. Um, something that I noticed though is when I click on one of your patterns, there's very little information on the page. It's essentially, now I only clicked on a couple of them. I think one was a, a unicorn pattern. Um, I had to read a fair bit to figure out that, all right, for me to actually find the pattern, I had to click on a link and go to your Etsy store and then pay like $3 and something for the pattern. This is not going to satisfy users, and a page like that is very unlikely to rank uh, because Google is trying to show me, as a searcher, pages that satisfy my query. And so if this page is essentially, yeah, here's some information about how you can get to this other page, that's probably not going to rank very well in search. Now, I'll tell you a story about my veterinary website. When I first created it, uh, the idea was you could pay a little bit of money to ask a vet a question. And, uh, and that still, you know, I did use that for, for quite a number of years. I, I don't do this anymore. I haven't practiced veterinary medicine in a long time now. But um, 
initially, I think it was $5 to ask a question. And I also charged a couple of dollars to read the response to a question. Well, then I got this idea because I didn't really get a whole lot of people. You know, I would make a few bucks a week or something off of this. And then what I decided to do was add uh, Ask a Vet for Free questions uh, section. And, uh, and I would post the answers for free. And I had loads of questions. A lot of them I just had to ignore because people were asking horrible questions like, I just ran over my dog and his eye is poking out and I can't afford to go to the vet. So how do I fix this at home? <laughs> like Horrible things like that. But so if you offer stuff for free, you got to know that there's going to be a lot of people that are not happy and you don't need to deal with the customer service for that. Um, but what I'm saying for you is maybe it might be something to consider actually making all your content free. And if you got enough, if you had really good content, because I looked up, I searched for something like unicorn sewing pattern basic or something like that. And I found, um, what was the site? I should have written it down. There was one site though that, uh, that was ranked highly, uh, that actually like laid out the entire pattern. Here's everything that you need. It gave me like every step of here's what I would need to make this pattern. And it was completely free. And so if that's the case, why would I pay money to get the, the product from you? Um, and, and so if you can, find a way to make these patterns free, you could potentially make ad revenue from this. Now you need to get thousands and thousands of viewers on these pages in order to make decent money. Uh, but I think that's something that's worth looking at. Um, you know, and I don't know what, I mean, maybe you're already making great money from the patterns you're selling. Uh, but I think that these are unlikely to rank on Google the way that they are. Um, and, but if you could fill them with loads of super helpful information, uh, whereas, you know, people don't have to go to any other website, they've got everything they need on your website, I think that you would rank better um, and that eventually you would make more money as well. So the other thing I noticed was that uh, I didn't see any mentions on Google News of you or your company or your website. Uh, again, I just did a quick search. Uh, mentions on Google News aren't directly uh, a ranking factor, but that's the way that we can check as to whether authoritative websites are mentioning you as an authority. So I would really make this a priority is try to find ways to get people to link to you. And I'm not talking about like, oh, maybe I can shop a guest post out to 400 sewing websites and maybe a couple of them will bite. No, no, I'm talking about um, doing things where people legitimately would want to link to you. And that, that can be challenging. One thing I think could be helpful for you is to make use of Harrow, help a reporter out. Um, and Harrow, you could use it on both sides, actually. Uh, you could use it as uh, somebody who is trying to get mentioned in interviews. And so if uh, Harrow, they'll send three emails a day and uh, you can just set it up so that you look for keywords in those emails. So, uh, you know, you can set up a filter in Google, uh, in Gmail, to say, all right, if any of my Harrow uh, emails mention sew or sewing or patterns, then I want to read these. And, uh, you know, if somebody is doing or even uh, crafts or do it yourself or children, you know, activities for children. And then what you can do is respond to these journalists and say, well, I'm an expert in sewing. And then as that happens, as you get mentioned in uh, journalism, in, in their articles, then Google can start to make the connections where, oh, you know, this website, uh, you know, some parenting magazine 
lists Trixie as uh, an expert in sewing. So if enough people do that, maybe she is an expert in sewing and we should be ranking her websites higher. Um, I also think you could use Harrow uh, the other way as a publisher um, and do articles uh, where, uh, you know, you could do roundups to encourage um, other people to say, well, here's some of the cool sewing things that I made. Uh, I don't know. I think, I think that might work more for the previous um, site that I just reviewed, but it's something to think about. So um, hopefully those are some tips that will help you uh, to do better. Again, when we do a full site review, uh, it, it takes us several weeks. So uh, in the space of just a few minutes, I, I've probably done a bit of a disservice, um, but hopefully I, I've helped you to, uh, to make some improvements on your website um, to see if those will... Uh, result in more more traffic, more money, more customers for you as well. I think that's probably a good place to end this. Uh, I really enjoy doing these site reviews. So if you want to have me take a look at your site, I did mention before that we could do these as an anonymous site review, but I think that that's kind of challenging uh, for the rest of the listeners. So if you do want me to review your site, uh, you can submit it, um, but it won't be anonymous. Uh, submit it to the MHC underscore Inc. Twitter account uh, or on any of our newsletter episodes, there's a Google form that you can fill out to submit your website or any other SEO questions you have as well. I think I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to uh, do, I've got a fair amount more actual work to do today. And then I'm heading home to play some Fortnite. I bought a new skin this week that to me looks like Lily Ray. I tweeted about it just this morning. I wear Lily Ray with a penguin on her backpack as I go around uh, firing shotguns at people. It's a, it's a good life. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably not uh, what I anticipated my life would be like at this point, but I love it. It's uh, it's Fortnite is, it's so good for just getting rid of uh, stuff that's in your brain because all you can do is think about focusing on this game. It's, it's so fantastic. Anyhow, thanks so much for listening and I wish you the best of luck with your rankings. Mm-hmm.